2: Whoop
0: Have you got drama yet? Good morning afternoon evening brunch time lunch time three sports in one podcast time Pretty good for late September time. obviously, we'll do more on football than anything else time but in case football doesn't go right we got other stuff to talk about time whatever time of day it is boys and girls it's the right time for the go 24 7 podcast west rucker coming to you from fort rucker studio here on just a chamber of commerce beautiful thursday afternoon here in god's own knoxville tennessee a little bit before one in the p.m about 12 40 or so as we are recording this just a gorgeous day outside great day I really kind of wish I was outside mowing the yard rather than doing this. But got to pay them bills, right? Got to work. Got to work to make money. We got plenty to discuss on this episode. This edition of the Go Boss 24-7 podcast, got football, basketball, and some baseball to talk about. So, of course, you know, since it's Thursday, we're trying to, to, to get more of a routine here for who's on the podcast when. And so Thursdays right now are the day for Grant Ramey so let's go down to the govals 24/7 Blunt County satellite office down there in Merville and get Grant on the horn grant what's up man
1: I'm here fired up for Missouri week you know me Mr excitement
0: yeah he is he, I don't know if you can tell this right now but but Grant's doing push-ups as he's doing this right now that's that's how yes. excited he is he's got to get he's got to get that testosterone out big week big week uh, it is though in, in all reality this is a huge week for Tennessee football and we have a lot to discuss about this game because it's a fascinating game and it's kind of a a fulcrum point or kind of a kind of a foundation piece for this season you know and I'm I'm not saying that, that Tennessee's in a position where it either wins this game against Mizzou or it's been a bad season because there's lots of football to be played after this no matter what. But we said going into the season, Grant, and I think a lot of other people said it. We didn't. We certainly didn't corner the market on this opinion. But you can break down a season into different different sorts of, you know, segments. You looked at Tennessee's schedule, and you looked at games that, okay, unless the sky falls down from the heavens, they're going to win these games. Then you look at another pocket of games, and you say, okay, it's going to take a miracle. Uh, to to win these games, they're probably be losses. Then you look at four slash five toss up games that would really will determine whether this has been a good first season under Josh Heupel, a bad first season under Josh Heupel, or somewhere in between. And Pitt was the first of those games. Tennessee probably should have won it, lost it. Now going to Mizzou on the road, three point underdogs against a team that is a solid team, uh, especially on offense has has some good players there. Solid quarterback, really dynamic running back, a couple of good offensive linemen, uh, some receivers who can make some plays, but a bad defense, and and this is a game where Tennessee's only a three-point underdog in a game where Tennessee could, in theory, play reasonably well and come out of there with a win, and now you're hosting South Carolina next week. Now you feel like you can maybe get a little bit of momentum going. If you lose this game, however, things get tough, and they get a lot tougher Locally, they get a lot tougher inside the program. They get a lot tougher for the guys having to deal with external noise. Guys start worrying about things. We know how it goes. Big, big week for Tennessee, isn't it?
1: Noise is a a, a funny word because it's a, kind of a word I had in mind. You'd want to make some noise at some point. Over the first four games of the schedule, it really hasn't felt like this team has made much noise. They did what they had to do against Bowling Green. Uh, they had, did what they had to do against Tennessee Tech. Uh, They lost a game they should have won against Pittsburgh. They cost themselves that game. They had a little bit of buzz in the first half um, at, at Florida, had a couple splash plays and were in a position in the third quarter to keep that game interesting and failed to do that and ended up, you know, losing by whatever it was, 24 points. This Josh Heupel era, but just so far, hasn't had a very remarkable moment to it. So they need one of those moments. They need to go on the road, they need to go in the SEC. They need to beat a team that is at a similar position as them. I don't think Missouri's done anything that impressive um, to date this season. They kept it close at Kentucky. Uh, I guess that was somewhat uh, notable for them. But Tennessee needs to do something that gets them a little bit of relevance around the league. Turn some heads on Saturday saying Tennessee went to Missouri and won a game that was important. And then, like you said, South Carolina at home next week. Maybe you couple some of that momentum with another winnable game, taking care of business at home, and suddenly if you can win two games, you're 2-1 in the SEC and, and all is not lost.
0: Yeah, th- these are both, if we're being honest, we, we know this, these are mid-tier to, to lower middle-tier teams in this league right now that are playing each other Saturday in Columbia. I think we have to call things what they are. However, the winner of that game, whoever emerges from that game, suddenly becomes just a little bit more interesting, a little bit more relevant to the league in general right now. It, it, it's a big, big weekend for both of these programs. Because last year, you know, uh, Eli Drinkwitz's first season at Mizzou, Mizzou went 5-5, five and five and and that was, frankly, a lot better than I thought it would go. I think it was better than most people thought it would go. But when you look at it, um, not not a lot of just stand up and say, whoa, kind of wins. Not a lot of big, big like, oh like, you know, in, in hindsight, won some games, probably should have won, lost some games, should have lost. But that, that Mizzou, so many things got interesting for both of those teams from week two of the season on because they played each other. Tennessee won fairly handily. I wouldn't call it a complete wood shedding, but it was close. Tennessee certainly thumped Mizzou a little bit. But in that game, Mizzou changed quarterbacks, went to Connor Baselak a little bit more, and then Mizzou really took off from there. He ends up being SEC co-freshman of the year. Uh, they surprise people, go 5-5, five and five, do some good things. And Tennessee, as we all know, sort of fell off a cliff. And then there was, you know, a coach being fired and NCAA investigation, record number of guys going into the portal, yada, yada, yada. And so where both of these programs have gone from that game last season is fascinating. But then Mizzou went to Boston College last week and lost. And that sort of changed the narrative because if Mizzou walks out of BC with a win, then that narrative is really strong, right? You're talking about two programs, who played each other last season, and one of them beat the other one, but then things just completely changed.
1: Right, and, I mean, with Tennessee, it, I don't want to say it sets up well, but it kind of sets up well. And let's go back to the woodshedding comment, 35-12 to 12 in the Jeremy Pruitt era. That's woodshedding.
0: Yeah, that's, it was. They, they kind of passed it a little bit late, but still
1: that's 70 to three against Louisiana Monroe in like 2003 or whatever year that was a homecoming game. That I mean, for the Pruitt era that felt like, cause there's no nervous moments in that game and you're a hundred percent correct. The two directions that those two teams went from that week. And it's always incredible. The amount of ground that Tennessee football can cover either good or bad in a small stretch of time. It, it, I mean, the wheels absolutely fell off and, and who could have thought what was going to come down the pipe for them. But Tennessee, I mean, it's an 11 a.m. local time kickoff. Those can be pretty sleepy. Those can, you can take a home crowd out of that. Um, you can – Missouri is, I think, the worst rushing defense in the league. I think they give up 270 yards a game, uh, and this Tennessee team has two good running backs, and you want to run the football, and you saw some of that against Florida. That looked a lot more impressive than I thought we had seen the previous two weeks uh, ever since Bowling Green uh, on opening night. So I think it does kind of sit up set, – sets up well for Tennessee to go there and to make a statement and to try to kind of change trajectory like they, like it happened last season, except, you know, obviously the opposite. You're trying to be impressive and carry that momentum over to what's next and try to build something here early in the season. And when I looked at the season predictions, I thought, you know, Missouri and South Carolina, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, Missouri and Kentucky, you want to split those games. It looks like right now, Missouri is one of those teams that uh, you're probably going to try to take something from. So you got to take care of business against your South Carolinas and your Vanderbilts. Etc. And you got to find some of these wins along the way, like a Missouri or like a Kentucky.
0: Yeah, and and there's, you know, Mizzou. For for people who who have been there, you know, it it doesn't. I want to. I I don't want to be completely. I don't want to be disrespectful here because they've won some things in that program back when they were in the you know Big Twelve. Big you know, they've done some things right in the first couple years they were in the league. They won the East a couple times. They did some good things. But when you're there, it just it, – I guess maybe it's just got a newness to it, but it also just doesn't quite feel like an SEC environment, right? Like the stadiums, okay, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just kind of there. There's nothing, you know, imposing about it. It's more open. It's, it's, it's certainly not like a Vanderbilt stadium, but, you know, it's not a – you know, Kentucky and other places are tougher places to go play. And getting them at 11 o'clock local time – probably makes that even more so because you're, you're, you're not facing – I don't care who you are, it's hard to get revved up for an 11 a.m. game. Maybe in the Big Ten some places they do it, but I, I just – you'd rather be playing Mizzou in early October at 11 a.m. than you would late November at like 7 p.m. Uh, because then it's cold, really nasty, windy like it is over there. It's just not a fun place to be. Right now, I don't think it's a bad time to be playing them. Uh, but I mean, that's a good team. Basilek is a good quarterback. You know, he kind of, you know, reminds me a little bit of when AJ McCarron was at Alabama, right? I mean, he he's not just a game manager; he's a step above that. But he's a guy who's not gonna just wow you consistently. But then you look up, and he's completing seventy percent of his passes because he knows where to go with the ball. He puts it where it needs to go. He's really good in the in the short to intermediate game. He, he knows that he can dump it off to, to Tyler Beatty, and that kid can go make plays. What's interesting to me, Grant, and I don't know how many times you see this in, in football. You, you might know this better th- than I would. But I, if you made a Venn diagram of teams that average 300 passing yards per game and teams that don't have a single wide receiver averaging more than 45 yards per game, you, you really wouldn't see those circles touching very often. But this Missouri team averages more than 300 yards per game in the air, and does not have a single receiver averaging more than 45 yards per game. So that means you've got like seven or eight guys averaging between 30 or 25 and 45 yards per game. So as a, if I'm thinking on the surface as a defensive coordinator, does that make you feel a little bit more, a little more comfortable because there's not one or two guys you just have to be concerned about, or does it make you crazy that you have to look at like 12 guys
1: uh, I would lean toward crazy and I think you have to include Tyler Beatty in that conversation Hypo uh, mentioned on vol calls the other night how much they target him out of the backfield I mean it's like I don't know if it's like Najee Harris with the Steelers getting targeted 19 times the other day oh, yeah. uh, some crazy number like that but I mean if, if that's another threat that's another threat from the drive you crazy standpoint I think I'm more worried about Tennessee's defensive backs just in their own right, than I am the Missouri uh, receivers and how many guys they use and how many different guys they target and how they spread the ball around. I mean, it, it's going to come down to Tennessee's secondary against this Missouri pass offense because they're pretty middle of the road uh, running team, rushing team. I think they're ninth in the SEC or something like that. So it's, it's Tennessee's run game against that defense, uh, the worst rush defense in the league, and it's Tennessee's secondary against this Missouri offense that wants to pass it and spread it around as much, and it's going to be who can be more productive. What what weapons does Tennessee have on offense? How productive, how consistently are they making big plays and staying on the field? And for Tennessee, how how you can limit that passing attack and try to you know, uh, not let one guy go off on you, but also, like you said, not let – four, five, six, seven different guys have 50 yards receiving.
0: Yeah, here in just a couple minutes before we get out of here for the first segment, we're, we're going to discuss the quarterback situation or, or in general what the quarterback situation is. It's kind of hard to find specifics right now because that's the way Hypo wants it, frankly, so, so that he's getting what he wants there. Uh, but in terms of looking at this game, you know, there's a lot of times where we look at games and we look at matchups and we say, man, that's going to be like a video game score. And it just looks like – and so many times – it just doesn't happen. Like, you think, man, this is going to be – like some of those Pac-12 games, big 12 games, you're like, man, this could be like 45 to 42, and it ends up being like 21 to 17 or 24 to 21, and you're like, how did that happen? I have a hard time looking at this game and thinking anything other than one of these teams is going to put up a 40-burger. I, I just – when you look at Missouri's defense and you look at what Tennessee could, in theory, do offensively if the passing game connects – Um, You know, there's a lot of plays there to be made. And then you look at the way Mizzou throws the ball and you look at Tennessee's coverage from the linebackers and the safeties in particular, and you go, that does not look good. So I I just – I have a hard time. I don't think there's any way, Grant, that I can get around picking one of these teams to put up 40 points in this game at least.
1: No, and it's also just a factor of this is the Tennessee-Missouri series, and it's been very, very – strange yeah uh, from this from the start I mean how many overtimes did that game go to at Neyland Stadium in 2012 um yeah, two, when two when Missouri three, was I going think. on I mean it, that was a crazy game there was a pair of 50 to 17 games back-to-back years for Missouri I mean how often does that happen yeah. that 16 game when it was 63 to 37 and Tennessee gave up 750 yards of total offense to Josh Hypels offense and and still won that game going away by as many points as they did I mean yeah and with this offense as fast as it wants to operate you would think as you're going to have to put up points you're probably going to give up points you're going to put up points so I think it's got to be a game where somebody puts up a high point total if it's both teams so be it but yeah somebody's going to have to score some points to win this game
0: and we'll see what Tennessee's does at at quarterback you know I'll, I'll be honest as this week progresses I feel a little bit more confident in saying that Hendon Hooker is going to be available, you know, early in the week, I thought that was a really big question mark, a legitimate question mark. And now, you know, Heupel's come out and admitted what we'd heard privately that he had been out there a couple of days to practice, not at full tilt, but out there getting some things done, you know, so he's, you know, he, he, he got his, he got his bell rung certainly. And he also somewhere in his leg got, got twisted up a little bit during that play uh, that flea flicker from hell that happened in that game. Um, But, you know, it's – neither one of Tennessee's best two quarterbacks, I think, are 100% physically right now. There's a lot of discussion from some people, even some people, you know, who I I think are pretty knowledgeable, who say they don't think Joe Milton's that hurt. I think he's been hurt. Now, I don't know if he's still hurt right now, but when a kid's walking around campus limping, just going to class – he's he's probably pretty dinged up, uh, and that's what Heupel, that's what Milton was a couple of weeks ago. He's looking a little better now, but I think last week what Hypel said, I think there's some truth to that. I don't think they really wanted... They wanted to give him a little bit more time physically to get ready, uh, but Milton came into the week as probably what most people thought would be the healthier of the two guys. Now, it might be back to a coin flip, right? I think all things equal, they would rather play Hendon Hooker in this game. I feel like they... They know more concretely what they're going to get from Hendon Hooker in this game, Uh, with the big caveat that if he can't run because he's a little dinged up in his legs, that changes the the calculus for me a little bit. That changes things. But I I guess that's a long way of saying, Grant, that what Heupel said on Thursday, as much as we laughed at it when he talked about team doctor Geronimo Beauches maybe picking the starting quarterback, uh, it might be a tiny bit of truth in that.
1: I can never hear his name without hearing Jeremy Pruitt say his name yeah. in my head, Mr. Geronimo Bocche. Yeah. I mean, True. I think the blessing here is I don't look at this game as Tennessee's quarterback's going to have to go out and win this football game. If Tennessee wins this game on the road, I think it's because it's heavy doses of Tyon Evans. I think it's because it's heavy doses of Jabari Small. I think Jalen Wright. I think all those running backs have to do a lot of the work. And I think the quarterback, more so than their arm, How much can the quarterback get out of the pocket and run and extend drives and get those seven, eight yards when you need seven, eight yards Can move the sticks, all that stuff more so than can Joe Milton connect on that deep ball or, you know, what, what does Hooker's health look like? I mean, if they're both around the same health, then I'm playing Hooker because I just like what I've seen from him more the last couple of weeks than what we've seen from Joe. But if Joe moves better and he has better mobility, then I'm probably leaning towards him because this is a game, like I said, I want to win on the ground. I want to. You know, Tennessee's going to have to pass the ball some and the intermediate and all that stuff. And and if Milton's in there, you can't count on the deep ball, obviously. But Tennessee's running game has to, you know, carry the load here, has to set the tone early, has to keep Tennessee in this game, has to put points on the board. they got to do the majority of the work. So it's not like if they don't have Joe Milton, I don't know how they win this game. Or if they don't have Hendon Hooker, I don't know how they win this game. I think that you can play either of those guys, and they can do enough. To keep this, guy, this game close, as long as you're getting the production you need uh, on the ground,
0: and it would help if um, it would help if Connor Light decides to throw two horrible interceptions out of nowhere, like he did last week at BC. Those were uh, for, from a guy who normally takes pretty good care of the ball. Those were some really really horrible decisions that were made there that ended up costing Mizzou that game. But you know, it's going to come down to I think how much can Tennessee slow down Mizzou? You know, can Mizzou's going to put up some yards and points. It just kind of always does. Can you hold them to some field goals? And can you force a turnover or two and get a couple stops? If you can do that, then I think Tennessee's offense can do enough to win this game. But I'll be honest, Grant, I don't know. Uh, we're, we're recording this right around what's around 1 one Eastern on Thursday right now. I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to pick in this game yet. I'm going to have to do it sometime before I go to bed tonight when we send our email picks into each other. But I, I'll be honest, right now I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to look at more things, talk to more people, and kind of think about this. Do you know what you're going to pick yet? Because I don't.
1: Um, I think I would lean towards Tennessee at the moment. I mean, I think it, it came out as a three-point spread for Missouri. Tennessee is an underdog on the road. I mean, in Vegas, going on the road in the SEC, three points is not much. It almost feels more like pick them than anything. Yeah. Um, So, I, I, I don't think it's crazy to think Tennessee can go out and win this game because – I mean, if if Missouri can't go to Boston College and beat Boston College, then you got to have concerns about what they can do in the SEC. Uh, even against a team like Tennessee, it's obviously, and there's you you have to factor factor in the craziness. I mean, that, that 2012 game, I got the list pulled up. It's 51 to 48. Remember Dorial Green Beckham?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: That that was a dude. Like, where did he go the next season? It was 31 three at Missouri, but I think Missouri was like top five.
0: Yeah, That's that was that was one of those uh, really good Missouri seasons. Really good defense. Uh
1: the nineteen eight game, I forgot about that one. That was twenty fifteen. Was that Dobbs' first start?
0: Uh it was one of his first starts for sure.
1: He made his first start at Missouri. I just can't remember when it was.
0: Yeah, he he Thir- re- yeah. no, that was was that I don't know. When was that? Thirteen? I when they got hammered. They, they they've had they, they took it on the chin twice in this series, pretty bad, back to back years.
1: The night the nineteen eight game was number 17 starting quarterback this is a great radio i can't remember his name for tennessee the short white dude
0: right oh will uh will will the thrill yeah will the thrill will the thrill yeah i remember the thing i remember most about that game is talking to Derek barnett afterward and it was like in the teens with the wind chill that night in columbia and since mizzou is not quite up to sec standards in terms of some facilities You sort of talk to the visiting team outside the locker room, like in a high school looking setup. And it's like, you just, it's like cold enough where you're, you're angry. Like I want, give me some bourbon or I'm angry at this point. And Derek Barnett goes out there and flip-flops to do his post-game interview. And I look at him like, bro, are you trying to get hypothermia? Like, what are you doing? He's like, ah, my legs are good. I feel all right. Just played some ball. That's That's what I remember most from that night is being like, how the hell is he wearing flip-flops in this weather?
1: I didn't travel for that game, and I was not hating it. I forgot about the 2014 game, 29-21. I think Tennessee ran a fake field goal to Alex Ellis, and somebody fell out of the stands in the first row. Remember that in the yeah. south end zone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember and that. And then the 63-37 was in 2016. I was on a plane to Maui, not to brag that day. I did not have to cover that game. <laughs> not not to brag. Then the 250-17 games. Then in 2019, the 24-20 Tennessee win, Tennessee had like three guys or four guys go over 100 yards receiving. In that game, if you remember yeah, that, first, Duan, first
0: time in school history that they had 300 yards in one game. and,
1: and um, Palmer. Palmer, was it three of them? Yeah, and they
0: clinched uh, bowl
1: eligibility in that game. So yeah.
0: it's always there's always something going on in this series. That's going to be fun, and there's a lot more to talk about there. But we're going to switch gears a little bit uh, since we've in the past couple of days spoken with both Rick Barnes and Tony Vitello. We've got a little uh, Tennessee little Tennessee baseball and a lot of Tennessee basketball to discuss because, hey, guys, in, in case things don't go well Saturday, don't forget, those sports are coming up soon. So uh, a little, little something to wet your palate there. So we're going to go away, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, and we're going to come back and spend about 20 minutes or so discussing that. Hashtag ads. Uh...
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break, Westrucker. Rucker. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just a Chamber of Commerce. Beautiful Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Just down the road there at the Blount County Satellite Office of Go Balls 24-7. We've got Grant Ramey on the horn, too. I assume it's beautiful in Maryville today, too, uh, because that's just about, what, 15 miles down the road, 10 miles down the road. So I imagine it's beautiful down there, too. We're talking a little Tennessee football, basketball, and a tiny bit of baseball, too, here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Before we do that... Quick reminder, guys, if you could take about 90 seconds out of your day right now and go hit the subscribe button on this podcast, that would help us a lot. If you're just listening on the website, nothing wrong with that. Uh, It's like Ron Swanson with alcohol. There's no wrong way to consume the Govols 24-7 podcast. But what really helps us is if you go in there in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find the Govols 24-7 podcast. And if you rate and review and subscribe – that helps us a lot. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. We really are. But the one thing we ask in return is that you, one, tell, tell a couple friends and also go rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. That would help us out a lot. Going to talk a little Tennessee uh, little Tennessee basketball and baseball here in this second segment because in case football goes badly on Saturday, hey, something fun to discuss. Uh, I'll quickly get some baseball stuff out of the way. talked with Tony Vitello on uh, Thursday just about an hour ago, actually, uh, or 45 minutes ago, whatever it is. And he confirmed that Evan Russell is working some at catcher right now, uh, which is an interesting story because Tennessee maybe thought it was getting a a transfer catcher, but he maybe would have been more of a hitter than a catcher anyway. Uh, But then he decides he's not going to play baseball this season. So Tennessee redshirted Charlie Taylor last year. It's got a couple other guys in the program, young guys. And then Evan Russell, who came to Tennessee as someone who kind of thought he might catch is finally going to try it in his fifth season. He was a catcher some in high school uh, but Tony Vitello, as usual, was was pretty interesting talking about that. He said that Evan Russell came to Tennessee as a hitter who needed a position. And, and they tried him at third base a little. They tried him at catcher first, and they were like, no, that's not going to work. They tried him at third base, and as Tony Vitello said, he took one in the Nuggets and decided to play outfield. Uh, which I guess makes sense as someone who used to play on the hot corner. Myself, you take one of the Nuggets, that does not feel good. So he went to the outfield, and he was not a very good defender there either, but they had nowhere else to put him. So they put him in the outfield, and he ended up becoming a pretty good, pretty darn good outfield defender, made some outstanding plays last season. Now they need a catcher. Uh, they lost a couple from the team last year, obviously, to the professional world. They th- maybe thought they were going to get one in the transfer portal. Did not work out that way. Well, he decided to go to the draft, and another one decided that he wasn't going to play anymore. So now they are looking for a catcher, and that team looks good everywhere else. They've got some questions to answer there at catcher. They brought in some transfer pitchers who look great. Uh, a couple of the young guys in the program who were not starters last year, are guys who could be starters this year and could be very good players, Trey Lipscomb, those types. Um, but they really like the transfer pitchers, obviously getting Evan Russell, Luke just back, those kinds of guys, uh, that's, that's big news. Uh, and they like what they got in the outfield. is a great prospect there. Uh, they, they, they're at shortstop or second base or third base, first base. So he can play a lot of different areas. Seth Stevenson, Juco transfer, Tony Votello said one of the fastest, best runners he's ever seen at the college level. So that guy uh, is fun to watch, and, and they're going to be a fun team to watch. We'll certainly have more on them going forward, but you, you can see why Tony Vitello is pretty excited about this bunch. But he said the thing that makes him the most excited is no matter what people say about that team, that's a team that lost its last two games of last season, and he said they're acting like that. They have hunger. They're not thinking they arrived. That's a big, big deal because, you know, you can think you're back in Omaha. Hey, man, we're, we're here. We're back. We're elite. We're elite. But Tony's like, remember when you got there, you, you got your tail kicked a little bit. So what are you going to do about that? So that was important. That's something that I think, Grant, from any coach to say that about a team is pretty, pretty good sign. I mean,
1: obviously the goal is to get to Omaha. And if you get there, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that you don't take for granted. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment for any college baseball team. But to go there and to go 0-2 and for Tennessee to lose games the way it did is it just kind of an uncharacteristic um, couple of games for them after what they had done all season long yeah. and in the postseason as well, what they'd done, the, all the dramatics in June, that's going to be a sour feeling. And I, there's no lack of, for, for me, no lack of belief in what Tony Vatela and his staff can do. But I imagine this scenario has to be one of the hardest where you surprised a ton of people last year and you were elite, 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 and you won 50 games and you went to Omaha and you won a share of your division in the best baseball conference in college baseball. And now you got to kind of keep being that team. you got to respond to what you did last year after you reached so many goals. And it does, I mean, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but the way the SEC set it up, it was almost like, yeah, y'all are legit now. Well, here's a legit schedule. You're going to start with some of the best teams in the league. You're going to go to Mississippi. You're going to do a bunch of stuff.
0: Yeah. It's a tough schedule like it always is. Uh, And and last season, you know, there will be no more Tennessee ambushing people uh, because you, you, you can't ambush someone who knows you're coming. So you know, the good news is they brought in some really big time arms. Um, and when a guy like Tidwell is your Friday night guy, presumably, you, you've got a guy who uh, is really, really special potentially. Then you've got the, the transfer coming in from Mizzou, who has really, really good stuff. you got the transfer coming up from Georgia Southern, uh, Dollander, who's got really good stuff. Uh, you got a couple guys like Ben Joyce, who's got basically a 100 mile an hour fastball. Uh, and just nasty, nasty breaking stuff. He's back. He's throwing right now a little bit, so he should be good to go this season. And, and they missed him badly last season. So they've, they've got a lot of guys uh, that, that they didn't have last year <clears throat> Excuse me, who should be back this year and looking pretty good. And also some guys like Trey Lipscomb and Logan Steenstra uh, who are really good players who just didn't have a spot last year. Impressive, impressive cough drop right there. Yeah, I had to. I was struggling there, uh, but the yeah. Just
1: pulled that pull that hyper and just cough right into the mic. Yeah,
0: <laughs> sorry guys. Go. Yeah, but uh, and the last thing I was going to mention was Kyle Booker, another guy who didn't get to, didn't didn't get started a lot last season. The outfielder from Memphis really talented guy and if he's your center fielder going forward uh, or playing in the corner because you've also got drew gilbert back which should make everyone very happy uh there's a lot of reasons Lipsius back there, there's a lot of dudes on that team they're, they feel pretty good going forward jordan beck who i think could be a first round pick is on that team uh they're just fine and in fact i think some people in those preseason top 25 polls maybe have them a little bit too low uh because i think they uh, They've got a couple holes to fill, but not that many. I think that team looks pretty good. So the question is can they succeed without being ambushed? So, plenty more to discuss on those guys going forward, but let's switch it over to basketball where Rick Barnes uh, had an, an in person interview yesterday and practice availability limited, uh, only one guy per outlet because of some COVID stuff. So you can't get too close. Uh, but Grant got to see a little basketball practice uh, on Wednesday. He got to talk to Rick Barnes again in person rather than on Zoom. Well, what'd you think, Grant?
1: This podcast, by the way, is like uh, this one time when I was a kid. My dad took me to a fall ball scrimmage at Lindsey Nelson Stadium, and then we stopped by the arena, and they were having like an open basketball practice. And then we went to Neyland Stadium for a night football game. So it was like century overload for however old I was. This this is the podcast. I'm, I'm reliving those glory days. It, it,
0: it is an ADHD podcast for sure. You
1: know how you build up tolerance to something? This is getting back to basketball you just kind of getting used to it. That yeah. was me watching a Rick Barnes practice for the first, you know, once a week for the first four years or whatever before COVID hit and we got kicked out. So this was this week was the first time we'd seen a practice since February 2020 probably in person. Mm-hmm. And I found I found myself sitting there like, wow, I forgot how much he attacks these guys. Like I was trying to figure <laughs> out like, does this team suck or is this just a bad day? Yes. No, this was just you just remember how rick barnes attacks people i mean it's
0: it's verbal assault on a consistent basis
1: and it was day number two of a team with seven freshmen and one transfer they've turned over more than half of the roster there are 15 roster moves in total when you count you know the portal the nba draft uh, players coming in players going out all that stuff so they look like freshmen and and rick barnes was challenging them like freshmen a lot of those guys But at the same time, there's a lot of talent on the floor. I mean, Kennedy Chandler, Justin Powell, um, Zakai Ziegler, the last guy that was added in the class. He's been impressive. Uh, um, Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Jonas Idu was a guy that after I watched him, I was like, okay, you might want to pump the brakes on him a little bit. He looks so thin that he's going to need some weight, need some uh, muscle to be able to to pound around down low. But, I mean, there's a lot of talent on the floor. It's just a matter of We said that about
0: Fulkerson, too, as a freshman. And before he got hurt, he was pretty solid.
1: Right. I mean, you, if, if you've got the skill set, you know, the, the, the body weight number really doesn't matter. It's a matter of your role, the your, your skill set, what, what's being asked of you and how you're going to do it and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, But, you know, they're going to need Brandon Huntley Hatfield down low. Um, they're going to need Javon Mayshak to help replace some of that defense that Eve Ponds lost. Um, it was funny during practice, there are a couple of times where Rick would just absolutely go after Kennedy Chandler. And he would respond by just like weaving through 10 guys and finishing off the glass. Like it was nothing. So yeah. I think there's definitely, I think he's shown him. I asked Rick on Monday, has he shown you what you need to see through the summer that he can be everything you need him to be. And he said, he has. I and mean, he said, this group they're they're obviously working towards getting in an elite condition and they're always working towards getting better defensively because that's the biggest hurdle you have to jump to go from one level to the next. So I think they're on track. It's going to be a, crazy non-conference schedule there is so many tests on there um for this especially for a young team that has to come together um and that just got put together over the off season but they're going to get tested it's just a matter of how quickly they come together
0: yeah i've got a couple thoughts here that i want to ask you about um and i'll go i'll do this one first it seems to me like it's probably good news that uh there's been one guy, I think Justin Powell's a guy who we've been trying to tell people for a while that they probably aren't talking enough about him, uh, what he can do. I, I think if he's healthy, he's a guy who fills a lot of holes for what this Tennessee team needs and what they've needed for a couple of years. I think he is a guy who makes a huge impact. Uh, and then I thought it was a surprise. It surprised me at least, maybe not you, but it definitely surprised me, I'll admit it, that he was so complimentary of Zakai Ziegler. Because I think a lot of us thought of him as a guy who come in a year early, you know, kind of like, you know, Andre uh, and, and in there and, and, you know, maybe train or maybe maybe red shirt, get stronger in the weight room, learn the system and then be ready to go next year. Ziegler's out there. Rick Barnes is talking about him like a guy whose whose athleticism is dynamic enough to help him now.
1: Yeah, and the good thing is he does not have to be the man from day one. This is Kennedy Chandler's team in terms of point guards and all that stuff. It's a matter of what can Zakai do just to help them to get on the floor to contribute. And after, you know, I watch, you know, one practice in September, you know, who really cares how much stock you're going to put into that. But the dude makes shots, and the dude's tough, and the dude's fearless, and Rick Barnes attacks him in practice, and he just keeps on practicing like it's nothing. I mean, he comes from a very tough background he's going to be able to put up for those tough situations with Justin Powell, that team last year missed so badly an inside presence and shooting, consistent shooting on the outside. And if you don't have that consistent shooting on the outside, you know, they can pack the paint on you. They can take stuff away. There, there's yeah. no respect on the three point line. If you can't consistently knock down those shots and, and they didn't do that a ton last year. So Justin Powell is going to have to be the, one of the biggest, In terms of injecting something into that shooting percentage, it's going to be him. It's going to be, you know, Josiah's got to have to do something consistently. Santi's got to knock down the shots. Victor Bailey's got to help you. Um, But in terms of the new guys and how you hope you've changed your roster, it better be Justin Powell um, shooting the ball so well. And it's kind of interesting. I asked Rick yesterday, is he a freshman or is he more like a veteran in terms of how you consider him? Because he only played 10 games at Auburn as a freshman and then he out for the rest of the season. So he's somewhere in between, but Tennessee needs him to be that veteran guy uh, sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, I think he's a guy who, if he can shoot the ball the way I think he can shoot it and he can stay healthy, you know, obviously he had some concussion issues last season. That's that's always a serious deal. Um, but he looks fine now. Uh, and if he, you know, he's had more time to heal and, and get prepared and all that. I think if he can shoot the way he does, that takes some pressure off of Vescovia on the other wing as a shooter. That takes pressure off of Victor Bailey on the other end, on the other side of the court. And if you have to if you have one three-point shooter on each half of the court that you have to really worry about, you can run any offense you want to run. You can do anything you want to do because anything anything a defense does, anything, what am I, Jamaican, anything <laughs> that you can do as an offense, you know, uh, anything a defense throws at you, you have an answer for because you got a shooter over. That's how Tennessee scored so many points for a lot of the Pearl Air because you had Lofton at one corner and you had Jawan Smith on the other corner. And you can run whatever you want to run there inside of that. And if a team ever leaves either one of those guys, boom, hit the cross court pass or dump it over to them, and that's a three pointer. And if they go spread those guys out, well, then Wayne Chisholm and those guys and Tyler Smith. And Ramar Smith and those guys can go one on one against you all day long and put put the ball in the paint. So you just can't defend that. You know, it's kind of like the same concept with these fo- football spread offenses. You spread the field, you, you give people, you know, questions that they got to answer over here, all over the place. You can do anything you want if they're worried about the the periphery so much. That's a huge deal. That that was my first question. And then the second one is this. We'll see. We got another month or so before we really start having to, to watch some games and see some things. But when I look at this team, Grant, I've been trying to think about this, and I think the veteran nucleus of this team is like a Sweet 16 team in terms of those guys, uh, if they're all healthy, those upperclassmen, you know, talking about your Fulkerson's, Vescovies, Bailey's, Josiah, Jordan, James, you know, the, that, that group of guys there is a Sweet 16 core. Now, if some of these freshmen – are as good as this staff thinks they can be, and they can be that good as freshmen, then the ceiling goes up a little bit. That's uh, that's how I think of it. And I know it's weird to say it's a tournament sport, so weird things can happen in the tournament. You never know. Let's just admit that I'm out of the gate. And Rick Barnes' history there leaves itself open to people making comments, and they're fair comments, and there's no way to re- reply to them other than to say, yeah, that's that's his history. But I think this is a Sweet 16 core That could be raised with some of these newcomers. Is that fair or is that close to maybe something that's near the target?
1: Yeah, that's probably a fair um, baseline when you consider the veterans you named. I think you have to answer a lot of the questions that we've been asking for a really long time on this podcast. I mean, Josiah James, how long have we been asking? Like, when's he gonna, when's it gonna click and he's gonna take it to the next level and he's gonna be that guy? At some point, you feel like it's going to happen. It hasn't really happened yet. I mean, he's been their most versatile piece probably the last two years, but it's a matter of when he can go from just being a really versatile piece that's a good basketball player to a really standout great basketball player. And that question we asked all last season, when is John Fulkerson going to look like John Fulkerson? I mean, we got to see him be some version of his 2019-20 uh, self where he was dominant stretches when he had to be dominant. And, and can, can Santi you know consistently knock down shots and at the same time can he give you that point guard depth that you need i mean rick said on monday this is something they've never had in terms of point guard depth with kennedy zakai and santi but at the same time can santi give you good minutes and make shots and be productive victor bailey the same thing i mean you go down the list you got a lot of questions to answer but you have the talent there to possibly obviously be able to answer them and meet that kind of ceiling and i think for sure when you when you have a point guard, they didn't have one obviously last year, a true point guard that runs the team that takes over. You should have that this season. I think that's a big deal. you got those three-point shooters that we talked about earlier, that the guys that should be able to knock down those shots consistently. And then it's about who can help John Fulkerson in the post and, and how productive is Fulkerson himself.
0: Yeah, I see a lot of guys on this team who could go up there and drop 20 or 25 in a game. Uh, but the question is, on a consistent basis, who's doing what. Right. And, and I wonder, Grant, last question I got before we get out of here, and we're gonna. It's gonna take most likely weeks and, and months to get this answer. So there's no way to answer it now. But it's fun to start the co- the conversation anyway. Does this become Josiah Jordan James's team? Does this become John Fulkerson's team? Or as a freshman, does Kennedy Chandler step in and say, "I'm the point guard. This is my team." Because it's got to be somebody's team. Last season, you never quite knew whose team it was. Because say what you will about Fulky. We could all say a million great things about that kid. He is not a natural leader. That is not his comfort zone. That is not his role. He's, I wouldn't call him a follower or leader. He's just kind of he's a, not a
1: He's not a vocal leader. For yeah, sure. yeah
0: he's, not a, he's not a follower, but he's not a leader either. He's a guy who does his own thing, kind of, and he's in his own world because he's a weirdo. But he does his own thing, and he can lead by example, but he's not going to be like a rah-rah guy getting in there and being a leader. Josiah Jordan James has that ability. Does he want to do it? You know, he said last season, if we remember those press conferences at the end of the season, when he said, "I should have been a better leader. This is my fault. I should have played better. I know I'm hurt, but I'm not that hurt. I could have played better." Does this become his team in that way, or does Kennedy Chandler come in and say, "I'm a I'm a burger baby. Uh, I'm a guy who's a one and done first rounder. I'm the point guard. By God, this is my team." I mean, that to me is going to be a fascinating thing because you've got guys. If Kennedy Chandler's playing well. Then all of a sudden he's throwing it to Powell over here for threes. He's throwing it to Vescovia and Bailey for threes. He's playing a little two-man game with Fulkerson and Josiah Jordan-James, maybe a three-man game with those three and a triangle. There's a lot of things they can do uh, if he's their guy.
1: I think long run, big picture, it needs to be Josiah's team because of what he said uh, after they lost to Oregon State in, in Indianapolis last March and the way they lost that game and the way he talked after that game. I think it needs to be him. Uh, he's the guy that's vocal. He's the guy that can lead by example. He's the guy that can do a little bit of everything. He can impact uh, on the glass. He can impact shot making. He can impact steals, shot blocking, defense, uh, whatever it is. I mean, he's as versatile as it comes, and I think he has to lead by example that way and also be that vocal leader and and show that what was bothering him after that game in March is not just something that bothered him at the time and it was gone. It's something that's going to fuel him and this team to, to be so much better than they were and so much more consistent than they were at any point last season they had similar talent they got a lot of similar names in terms of some of these guys that are back it's a matter of what does this how does this puzzle fit together this year uh, versus last year after they put so many different pieces you know together uh, they, uh, they overturned the roster so much kennedy can be elite and he can run your team and he can be your point guard i still think it needs to be just last team
0: yeah, that's. I'll end with this thought. I think my biggest concern with this team is that, and this is just looking at it from thirty thousand feet up, is that Rick Barnes. We know his. We know his coaching ADD. We know it. We know how he has a hard time sticking with someone who's going through a rough spell. He just, you know, he has a quick hook, especially on freshmen. And, and it's good to have this many options because this is probably the deepest roster he's ever had in terms of guys who could be quality options. But that's almost like a guy who can't pick from a menu because there's too many good things on it. And that's my concern is that Rick will have a hard time getting into a rotation with this team. He'll have a hard time figuring out who's going to do what because if one guy's not performing, you know you've got talented guys there on the bench and you can. it's kind of natural for him to sort of switch it up and tinker with it. But at some point you got to know who you are. And that's, that's my concern with this team. It's kind of like the Cheesecake Factory menu.
1: Like, why is it got to be seventy-five pages? Yes.
0: Why is this? Why is this like a dictionary? What, what's what's going on here?
1: Let's just say Rick Barnes needs to channel his inner um, my wife's mindset of she reads the menu on the way to the restaurant in the car, and I'm like, "What's wrong with you? What, I mean, we're going to the same place we've gone every week for the last ten years. This is not, you know, you're not on death row. This isn't your last meal. What are you studying so hard for?"
0: Yeah, that my, my wife does the she actually she she god she'd kill me when she hears this. She like gets nervous when it's time to order. Because oh, she, yes, because of because in her mind she's like, I want this, but oh my god, this could be good too. And what is Wes ordering? Because if Wes orders this then I could order that. And right now she's pregnant, so she gets the fallback option. She just orders two entrees. Well, she's eating for two. Yeah, she's eating for two, so she gets two entrees, and then I order one. And then if I if she doesn't like either of hers, then I give her mine, and then I'm picking between something else. I'm like, I really didn't want pad thai, but I guess I'll eat pad thai tonight. And uh, that's that's what we're doing. So for another couple months, at least, that's what we're doing. Grant, I know you got places you got to be. I got places I got to be. So unless you got anything else, man, I think I'm going to leave it there. Just remember,
1: if you make any pregnancy gripes, you started this.
0: That's an excellent way to end it, man. Thanks, Grant. See you and on that note i think we'll go ahead and get out of here there's that music thanks to grant for joining us and for making that great point about everything being my fault there at the end that is absolutely true most importantly thank you all for listening to this edition of the balls 24 7 podcast you can find all of us on social media i'm wes rucker 24 7 on twitter grant ramey is grant ramey on twitter ryan callahan is ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter and patrick brown is p brown 24 7 on twitter Also got, uh, if you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash 24 247 You can also go to facebook.com slash 24 247 We got tons of good stuff there all throughout the day. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water just right from the tap, Ronnie Millsap style, go get that at govals 247com the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Tennessee baseball recruiting, Lady Vol Sports, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year round, tons and tons of good stuff there. we got two forums running round the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us. With us, the moderators, the guys who uh, are staffers on the board. Also, we got a lot of uh, thousands, really, Tennessee fans across the world who, who are on that board. So any time of day, you can't sleep at night, go talk to us there. You're up early in the morning. Kids aren't awake yet. Your wife's not awake yet. It's raining, so you don't want to go outside. Just go on the checkerboard. We'll talk shop with you. There's somebody who's up wanting to talk ball with you. Tons and tons of good stuff there. Plus a couple of dozen fresh content items every day the best database in all college sports, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven-day free trial. You cannot beat that deal. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. And if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus Uh, Which is used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. Got a couple of great new movies. Seen the trailer for a couple of these new movies coming out that are only going to be on Paramount Plus. Really, really good stuff. So you get that. Plus you get um, all the stuff from uh, CBS. Every show ever made, commercial free. Tons of stuff from uh, that's Paramount Plus only. Like Evil, Picard, Star Trek stuff. Exclusive stuff there. New movies, old movies, lots and lots of classic movies. Uh, You got live sports. All kinds of live sports, including fall stuff there, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Cup qualifying, Serie A, all of that, and stuff from the vaults of Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Smithsonian, and Nickelodeon. So everything you could want for your entire family, a 100 dollar annual value in your pocket for free if you just take advantage of what's already a really good deal and go to govals247.com no one else can offer you that deal guys we can and really you should take advantage of it that's why we say it every time we it helps us clearly but it also helps you it's hard to get a good value right now we give you a great value so go take advantage of that if nothing else guys you should hear from us After the game on Saturday, we'll have something there from Patrick Brown and myself and maybe Ramey and and Ryan, and we'll talk some stuff. But until then, wear those masks. Please get that vaccine. Let's get out of this thing. Be nice to each other. There's too much nastiness out there. See ya.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.